Hello and welcome to Build Momentum, where we make PR easy for education organizations. This show was created to help edtech startups, research institutes, and schools learn how to develop simple, replicable PR strategies and how to execute on those strategies. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent the past 15 years working in PR, where I've been able to understand what works and what does it when it comes to making an impact. I will share my tips for success and interview others who have done the same to provide you with the framework that you can use within your own organization. Be sure to grab my free guide, How to Create a Killer Case Study, even if you don't have data, at casestudy.swpr-group.com. That's casestudy.swpr-group.com. And on today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Leslie Lernhart, the Communications Director for Tucson Unified School District in Tucson, Arizona. Tucson Unified School District is the largest district in Tucson, serving more than 47,000 students in 89 schools and programs. Welcome, Leslie. It's great to have you on the show today. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here and participate in this. Yes, great. Well, let's begin, Leslie. Would you mind just telling us more about your district other than what I shared and the students you serve? Sure. So as you said, we're the largest district in Southern Arizona, and we have a very diverse population. Probably 50 to 60% of our students are of Latinx background. Um, So a lot of the communication that we do is dual language, um, Spanish and English. It's really important to us because we have many families who, even though the the children may speak English, the parents may not, that may not be their first language or their language of choice. So a lot of our communication has to be in Spanish as well. And then we also have a large refugee um, family population. So when we communicate on our website in a lot of our emails and stuff, we have everything translated. So that makes it a little more interesting <laughs> because we do Add have some color. Yeah, yeah. we do have so many things that we have to come into play as we're moving forward. And I'm sure this past year was a complete breeze for y'all. Oh, yeah, of course. And just like everybody across the world, it was really interesting. And we tried to be as mobile and fluid Mm -hmm. as possible because, you know, no one really knew what to expect, what was coming next. And so it was important for us to really just be collaborative, not only with each other, um, those that work for the district, but with all of our community partners and with our families of how we could support them. Yeah, no, it's not a joke districts everywhere and people everywhere, but particularly my heart goes out to school district leaders who have just been through the ringer the past year. And I mean, do you feel like you've been through trauma and you're recovering now? How do you feel? Do you feel like you're on the other side of this? How are you? I wouldn't say we're totally on the other side of it because we still have to figure out next year, which is Mm going to come fast and furious. But we do feel like I think as a team that we can actually slow down a little bit kind of breathe and do a little planning versus always being right behind the eight ball. Yeah. You know, we really felt that since last March, everybody's just been going, you know, 500 miles an hour trying to figure out what's next and how do we adjust because the governor now has put in this executive order that we have to comply with, whether it be 
making sure we have certain classrooms open in every school? Or how do we make sure that all of our families can get accessibility to the internet? And so it's just a lot of moving parts that has been really interesting for us as well as, you know, we are a very traditional school district. So having online platforms was not something that was a huge part of our district, but now has become a giant part and really helped us bring us, which in a lot of ways, it's a positive into the 21st century to be able to look for the future to really help our students. Yeah. Focusing on the positive is a good. Yeah. I'm curious, what did you do last fall? What were your plans initially? And then where did you evolve throughout the course of the year? And where are you now in terms of distance learning? Sure. So a lot of what we did last summer and into the fall was really talk to our community. Over the course of the last year, I think we did 40 plus forums with staff, with families, with students, really getting their feedback with all of not only our superintendent, but our district leaders hearing. We did Facebook Lives, a lot of things where we could have in-person as much as we could, remote in-person, but online in-person, yeah. you know, active conversations with our community to make sure that, one, we were answering their questions with what we knew and hearing their questions for what we didn't know. And so for us, you know, as I said, we were not a very technologically advanced district. So getting computers and devices out to all of our families, making sure that they had internet access. How did we get hotspots to them? How do we connect them to our internet partners and help pay for that? That was all really important for us. So creating those surveys and getting that feedback from our community was a big part of it, as well as we created a section of our website that we called Next Steps 2020 that was really our place to show and provide all information, whether it was information about how do you get a laptop or what platforms does my student sign into? How do they sign into a computer? What are the rules at the district? You know, when we started coming, we're not out of the pandemic, but where we could come back to in-person, what are the rules as far as safety and what is the district doing in the classrooms or to help your teachers? All of that was there, as well as who are your some of the partners in the community, whether it be our Pima County Health Department, you know, making sure there was connections there, all the safety things of how do we get, make sure and get people testing if they needed COVID testing versus how do they get vaccines and where's all the locations for that? So this website really for us was our central spot to share that information. It could be translated into any language. We have six major languages in our district. So we always put things in English and Spanish, but the website itself through Google Translate and stuff would automatically translate if a family chose that. So that was really a very key part to what we did, along with videos and other things. But that was kind of our central repository of everything. Yeah. And do you think that the community responded positively to having that central point and they knew where to go when they needed information? I do. You know, we really shared there broadly, you know, not only through videos and but emails and robocalls and text Mm -hmm. messages, really ensuring that our family as well as all of our staff members knew that this was kind of their one stop shop. 
to find information. And then if it wasn't there, we had a specific email that came to actually me. And we would review those every day with questions. So answers 2020. And they would then get put those emails and the answers would get put into a spreadsheet that all of our district leadership could look at if they needed a question answered and they didn't know. Or, and we also made sure our goal was to respond to all those emails within 24 hours. So people felt like they weren't put off to the side, that they were important in getting their answers as well. That is a lot of work, Leslie. I mean, how did you manage when you were planning last summer? Did you anticipate this and kind of put all those plans in place or were they evolving? And how did you manage all those requests? I mean, do you have a big team? Tell us about that. Yeah, so definitely it was evolving. (laughs) Because like everybody, we didn't know where this pandemic was going and what twists and turns we needed to take. You know, I have a great team of 11 people within my group, but they all do different things. So there's videographers and there's graphic designers. I've got two or three people who also help. They would help review the emails and you know respond to comments on social media. So that was helpful. So it wasn't all just me, but we really made it a priority that, you know, I don't want to say 24 hours a day, but, you know, a lot of times we were, as most people were working much longer days because everybody was remote. You could be on your computer and look things up at any time that you had some free time you know, and recognize that for this time, it was a priority that people got information. So I really put it out that I really have a collaborative team and was really grateful that they were super helpful in making sure that answers were get, you know, received and that um, information was shared really proactively. Yeah. And you mentioned social media. I'm curious, it sounds like I'm sure as any district, people had all, as you mentioned, all different kinds of questions at all hours of the day and night. Some of them were very angry. How did you communicate regularly with people? Do you feel like your approach was over communication is the key to this? And how did you do that? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think over communication is a huge part of getting the message out there. We're going to have people with lots of different opinions, and we certainly understand that and didn't want to downplay any of the negative comments you know, we had, but we really tried to be factual in what we knew and what we didn't know. So in responding to them, and also we have to recognize, you know, we have with 88 different school sites, they all have social media presence as well. So really making sure that they had an understanding of how to respond to any questions, as well as share the big wins that they were having within their schools. So, you know, sharing, we did videos on innovative teachers and how were they, you know, managing through the pandemic and teaching simultaneously, you know, synchronously, I can't say the word, (laughs) but teaching directly (laughs) online, you know, so that how do we manage that and how were students responding to that? So really making sure that what we were sharing on social media, although was less than what we would normally share because we didn't have all the big events that we would normally have, but we wanted it to be really inspiring information or really factual information. Mm-hmm. Nothing that you know would make, we really edited and really looked at what the content was that we were sharing to make sure that it would send the right message. So when we got the questions or we got the couple people who were not very excited because their child was really struggling. How do we come up Mm -hmm. with a solution? You know, connecting them to the school, 
so that maybe they could be one of the kids that came to our, every school had to have a learning space. So, you know, could come actually into school and would, did that work better for them? Yeah. So really looking that, taking that opportunity to just be really positive and factual and not jump into defensive mode as much as possible. Right. And I think it would probably be very easy to be defensive during this time because you're working as hard as you possibly can. Everyone's doing the best they possibly can, but it's hard to see that sometimes as a parent or on the other side. So kudos to you for just staying positive and (laughs) rising above that. That's great. So you also mentioned highlighting innovative teachers and really pulling out those positive stories. Is that one of the strategies you used is to really focus on those success stories throughout this experience? And do you have any other examples? Sure. So we definitely looked at our innovative teachers from across the district. So we looked at ones that were, you know, we're a K-12. So how did our really young teachers, you know, who are teaching the young students, what were they doing to keep the kids engaged? You know, were they doing PE classes and what did they do during PE classes? Or how did they do if it was a science teacher? How were they teaching science and doing experiments at home and making them so that mm-hmm. they were things that the family might have around their house? So, you know, really looking at that side. So the innovative teachers was a big part of it, but also, you know, really highlighting, you know, what was the staff doing inside the schools to make sure that the schools were safe to come back to whenever that happened. For our district, we were very late. We didn't come back until the end of March and compared to a lot of districts, at least within Arizona. So we really talked about, you know, what are the cleaning procedures? What are the other safety measures and showing what our staff, our custodians, our, you know, all of our maintenance people, what were they doing? What were they doing to the HVAC systems and all of that to make sure that that information was really accessible as well? to make people feel comfortable. You know, we're a district that's 100 plus years old. Many of our buildings are 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. You know, they have old systems. And so keeping them, updating them and making sure people understood what we were doing was really important to us because we aren't a brand new district with, you know, shiny new buildings. You know, so that was different for us as well. Yeah, so... It's interesting. I feel like one of the things you mentioned is you're proactively providing access to district leaders as well. I noticed at the beginning of the school year, there was this welcome video from Dr. Trujillo. And it was so powerful because he shared some of the things you just mentioned is, you know, he was vulnerable saying, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how this is going to play out this year. We're going to do the very best we can. We're here to support you. We're in this together as a community. Tell me about that messaging and how that came across to your school and to the district. How did that come across to your community? Were they embrace it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're very fortunate. Dr. Trujillo, as our superintendent, is a very dynamic speaker and really thoughtful. But we usually, you know, collaborate with him and say, you know, this is the type of message we want to share. We want to share, you know, the schools are still here, but they're here in a different way. We want to share, you know, what are we doing that we know we can do right now and recognize that things are going to change, you know, as we move into various phases of the pandemic and eventually come out of it. So, you know, that message was really, we were very conscious about how we shared that and we wanted to make sure it was in a school. We really try and do a lot of our video messaging 
from school sites. So instead of people's offices, because we are in a school district. And so that's the most relatable. You know, what does it look like in the school when they're empty? You know, is there jambles everywhere or have things really been put back together and cleaned up? And so that's a very conscious message that throughout the pandemic, Yes, there was the one at the beginning, our welcome back message at the beginning of the school year. But Dr. Trujillo pretty much does what we call a video news message or newsletter every couple of weeks. And so we were really cognizant about where we were going. Part of the time, they were just in his office with what is the latest information that was coming out, whether it be, you know, the new executive order that we had to manage and what were we doing to meet that? Or was there various with all the CARES Act and ESSER money, you know, what are we doing with that money and sharing how that's going to be a benefit to the district? So making him and really all of our leadership available to media, as well as just putting out our own messages was really a choice that we made. We also, as I mentioned earlier, did Facebook Live forums. So since we couldn't have in-person forums where people could come to a location, we thought the best way to do it was do it through Facebook Live, where we had some people Zoom in, we had some people live on the Zoom with us, and then we would connect it to our Facebook page, where because we're a public entity, anyone can log in. You don't have to be a part of Facebook. And they could ask us questions through the chat. And so we were able to really get accessibility to a broad spectrum of our district so that they could, it wasn't just Dr. Trujillo, it may have been our curriculum superintendent or one of our intramural superintendents. So different people had different participation levels depending on the forum that and the focus it was happening. That's so smart. And I'm curious, do you think that's something other district can and should replicate is being really accessible to the media and to their community? I do. I think it really, um, you know, we're a district that gets criticized because we're one of the largest ones out there in Arizona. And we've been under a desegregation order for 40 years, but we just were released from it. So we're very happy we became unitary status just last week. Congrats. And a lot of that has to do, I will definitely say, with the collaboration and with the visibility of the district and how making sure that we are accessible and that we are reaching all parts of our community and just not focusing on certain ones. Yeah, I think it's easy probably for you to think that you're reaching everyone, but we really have to be cognizant of that as leaders and as communicators. Otherwise, it's definitely easy to let people and certain communities slip through the cracks, isn't it? It is. And I really think, you know, for me, one of the big things at, that has come out of a lesson learned that using Zoom and connecting it to whether it's to Facebook or YouTube or live stream, whatever is your tool of choice is really important because most people, whether it be through their phone or through a computer, can get onto the internet and connect. So whether they can get to a building is a whole nother question. So for us, I think going forward, we will continue to use this platform. Certainly not probably as much as we are right now, but it will definitely be a part of our communication strategy. Yeah. Okay. So one final question for you, Leslie, what would you say is a big takeaway or a lesson that you've learned in addition to what you just shared or a piece of advice that you would give to other district leaders? 
on communication? So I think there's two things in my mind. Mm -hmm. One is be proactive. Put yourself out there. Don't wait for everybody else and thinking, oh, well, I'll wait till I get a solution because things are going to change and people really want to hear from you. So even Mm -hmm. if you don't have all the answers, it's okay to say, I don't have all the answers, but this is what I do know and be as factual as you can and as transparent as you can. I think that is one. And then I second, secondly, I think it's being available, you know, whether it be through Zoom meetings, whether it be through having regular media briefings, which I know our district does with the press, you know, so that people see you and that they know that you're not hiding in your office and you just don't know, you don't have an answer. And so you're just not going to show your face. So I think being visible and admitting that you don't know everything, but that's okay. (laughs) You know, share the solutions that you have and say, I'll get back to you and then really follow up. I think those are critical. I totally agree. And I'm always preaching that on this podcast is that it's okay to say you don't have all the answers. It's okay to say you don't know, but people just want to hear from you. And if they know you're working toward a solution, then they're going to feel a lot more confident in the process. If they don't hear anything, minds start turning and people start talking about things that may not be true. So it's just absolutely couldn't agree with you more. But Thank you, Leslie. This has been a real treat. I think it's affirming to hear that you're sharing all of the advice that I've believed for so long. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. Thank you for having me on. We're really honored. And we know that there's a lot of work to be done, but we feel like we've done a lot of good work this year as well. So that's a great thing. Yes. You're definitely a, a stellar example of what a district should do in a crisis. There's no doubt about that. So thank you so much. And Also, side note, Leslie and I are going to be speaking at the Digital Learning Annual Conference this June on the same topic. So we will share that, the updates on that as well. So thanks and have a wonderful rest of your day, Leslie. Thanks for stopping by. Oh, thanks, Sarah. You too. Yes. And Build Momentum listeners, don't forget to grab my free guide to creating a killer case study, even if you don't have data. Again, that's available at casestudy.swpr-group.com casestudy.swpr-group.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and write us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you choose to listen. We will be back with another episode of Build Momentum next week. Thanks so much and have a fantastic day.